Tandem Nomads, episode 26. A lot of us, when people say, where are you from? I don't say I'm American. I say, well, I've, you know, so I identify with being from all over the place. We don't really have a 10 year, we're going to live here for this, you know, for this amount of time and we're going to settle here and that's it. We, you know, the lifestyle has become a lifestyle of transition. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Amel Deregi. You know, I have been often actually wondering if there is such a thing as what I want to call the global nomad nation. <laughs> if we could call global living and lifestyle per se, and what would it be about? So in order to discuss this, I wanted to bring a very special guest to you, Alison Cavatore. Alison, are you ready for the ride? I'm ready. Thank you for having me. Alison couldn't be a better guest to discuss about the topic of global living as she was raised in various countries such as the Netherlands, France, Switzerland, Canada and is the founder and CEO of the Global Living Magazine. So Alison, could you tell us a bit more about your story and how you got to create a Global Living Magazine? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, I was raised abroad, but I was actually born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the States. Um, and then we moved to Holland with my family. It was always um, for my dad's business that we moved. Um, so I wasn't, it wasn't military or anything like that. It was more the business side of um, moving abroad. So if we first lived in Holland for five years. Then we lived in Paris for five years. Um, I graduated high school in Paris, and then I moved to Canada to go to undergrad um, in Montreal. And then after that, I went back to the States. I went to Miami for just a year, um, before moving to Geneva for about six or seven months. Then it was back to Miami. And now we are in Arizona. Oh, then we went to DC. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> then we went to Washington DC and now we're in Arizona wow. and who knows where we'll be next. <laughs> a lot of travel. So when you say we, who's that? Uh, well, it started, well, first we was me and my family <laughs> up until I went to college. So um, in 2003, I moved on my own to Canada. And then I, once I moved to Miami, I met my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time. He's now my husband. So the we now is me and my husband. <laughs> okay. How was this experience for you? I mean, it's such a broad question, but is there <laughs> one thing that you would pick from having had this lifestyle? I think now that I look back on it, I... I can't imagine having a different lifestyle. <laughs> I think if I look back in more specific moments, it was challenging as a, you know, as an eight-year-old moving abroad for the first time and, you know, losing your little best friend that lived down the street and <laughs> not knowing when you were coming back or if you were coming back. That's, you know, it's scary in the moment. Um, but I think when you look back on it and you put it all together as a whole, all the changes and all the adaptations I had to go through and all the um, adjustments that expats go through over the course of time, I think it really, it makes you, I don't know, a better person, but definitely a different person than you would have been without that experience. So I would say, you know, in the moment, sure, it's difficult as a lot of, you know, transitions are in life, whether you're moving abroad or moving down the street. But when you look back on it, it is such a rewarding experience. And 
one that you kind of, I don't want to say like you get addicted to it, but you're always kind of, you have itchy feet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're always sort of looking for something new. Whereas if you asked the eight year old, do you want to keep moving for the rest of your life? She would have told you no. (laughs) So you sort of come around to this lifestyle. And I think that's really kind of a beautiful full circle to, to come to, especially when you move abroad so young to begin with. Definitely. You went back to the U.S. where you haven't lived too much as a child. So how was it for you to go back home? That was bizarre. (laughs) Um, I actually, I've been in the States now for a while, um, but I don't really feel at home here. I kind of still um, uh, feel more attracted to the international community. I feel more connected to them, even if, you know, I'm in... Uh, in the States surrounded by Americans, I sort of still seek out individuals who have the same sort of background as me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I had an advantage because I moved from Paris to Montreal and Montreal was a really, really great mix of North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of a really good buffer for me. It was also a good time in my, a time in my life. You know, it's college, you're meeting tons of new people Um, I went to McGill, which is a very international school to begin with. Um, So I was sort of surrounded by a lot of people who had my background, but were now living in North America. Um, Some, the same circumstance as me, they hadn't lived there for a while and then they're back or Mm -hmm. others who are moving to North America for the first time. So that was a really good buffer for me. Um, When I really first moved back to the States, the U.S., uh, we were living in Miami, so that's also quite international. (laughs) I would say it's not, you know, I wasn't in a small town in the middle of the state somewhere. Um, I still had some connections from my best friend from high school in Paris, for example, she lived there as well. So I still had a few international connections. Um, then when we went to DC, also very international, um, a lot of my high school friends ended up in DC as well. So I still had that connection and that was probably the easiest place for me to live in the States. Um, I think it's just got a vibe DC, of, right. yeah, DC yeah. for sure. It's, it's more a metropolitan city. It's, you know, you get on the Metro and you hear people talking about, Oh, when I studied abroad last year and they're not bragging, they're just telling their story. Yeah. <laughs> and that's nice to feel like, okay, I can actually have that conversation on the Metro and people aren't going to judge me. Yeah. Um, and then moving to Arizona, I think that was really when it hit me the first time. Like now I feel like I'm back in the States and It's, that's it's, the States. <laughs> that's the States, yes. <laughs> and, you know, we live just outside of Phoenix um, in Scottsdale, and it's a pretty small, I mean, I consider it small, but it, a little more residential than I'm used to. I'm used to living in cities, so that's been an adjustment. The demographic is a little bit older. <laughs> um, and less but, international, know, I guess. Yes, definitely less international. Um, there's a lot of people from around the U.S. that live here. It's sort of a transient place in that sense but not so much international. So this has been more of an adjustment. I, you know, for the first time we have a car, I, I'm not used to having a car because I lived in Europe, um, until I was 18 and then I didn't get my driver's license in the States until I was 23. So mm-hmm. that's pretty late for an American to drive. And then when we lived in the Miami and DC, we didn't need a car. So it's adjusting more to American quote unquote American life. Yeah. Um, more sub- suburb area and things like that. So that's been the more challenging part. It's quite interesting what you said when you said even when you go back home, you were more likely to seek for an international group. 
Yes. And, yeah. I, and that's the whole point that I wanted to discuss in this episode is like, because there's a part of me that always feels a bit guilty of, of not connecting enough with locals because the point of traveling abroad is to, to get in touch with the locals and to get to discover these cultures. What's the point otherwise? But right. in terms of lifestyle, that's the whole center of this conversation we still tend to stick to expats, although they might come from other countries than ours. Yeah, I definitely think that's it's interesting and it's definitely true. I think um, now that I'm in the States, um, you know, connecting with locals eh, a little bit. <laughs> um, but when I was abroad, yeah, even there, I, you know, I still stuck to the expat communities, especially because I was involved in school. So, mm -hmm. you know, I went to the American school of Paris, a lot of 50% were American, but the other 50% were from all over the world. So all my friends and connections were expats as well. Um, so perhaps because I grew up bonding with those people first, instead of the locals, um, maybe, you know, you carry that on. Um, I think it depends on where you are, but also there might be a language barrier if you haven't learned the language right away. Mm. Um, that's a good but point. But I, I, I think there's also really just like a deep seated understanding between expats. There's just something about them that it's a little harder to find with a local, whether it's a local American or a local Parisian. Mm. Um, it is possible to blend into the communities, but I definitely think there's, um, like you said, a expat nation <laughs> that we sort of created our own culture and we just sort of stick to it the way that, you know, a French person might find uh, connections with a French person in another place because um, that's their culture. If you can call being an expat a culture, mm -hmm. I think that's probably why we seek it out. Yeah, that's exactly the point. Is it a culture? How can can we answer this question today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe not today. I don't know. I'm working on it. Is it a culture? Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to really break down all the components of what makes the culture a culture. Um, I think there's definitely it's definitely an identity. Um, Being an expert. A, yeah, I think. A lot of us, when people say, where are you from? I don't say I'm American. I say, well, I've, you know, <laughs> so I identify with being from all over the place. Um, it also comes from the fact my dad is from Spain. My mom's American. So I was kind of born into this multicultural um, identity. Um, and I'm now married to a man who's half French, half German. So <laughs> that, you know, continues with the we seek out expats. But <laughs> um Yeah, I don't know if it's a culture. I definitely think there's components of culture in it. Okay, so what do you say then if somebody asks you? Because this question comes very regularly in the US. And when yeah. people say where you come from, usually they mean which state. It's so important to identify people according to their states. So right. what, did you, what do you say? Uh, it really depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to um, you know, somebody at the grocery store here in Scottsdale, I probably just say, Oh, I, you know, I used to live in DC or something simple like that. Mm -hmm. If they sort of probe a little further, like, yeah, but you look like you're kind of, you, you have Spanish in you or something, then yes, I'll go a little further and I'll tell them if I'm at, um, you know, for just to throw out an example of a conference, the families in global transition conference, Uh, you know, you show up there and everybody's got a long list of where they've lived, many much longer than mine. Then I'll go further and I'll tell them the whole story. I was born in the U.S. and I've lived here, here, here and here. 
Um, you know, there's also a medium version of it. <laughs> you, you kind of gauge it based on who's asking and, Definitely. um, and their, their level of interest, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. It's always a long story when somebody asks to an expat or somebody who was raised abroad, where you come from. I just still don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> right. And sometimes you feel like you feel like, you know, Oh, today I'm from the U S or today I'm from <laughs> somewhere else. It, It can also depend on your mood and where you are, what country you're in, too. Yeah. So before we get further in our conversation about trying to define uh, what <laughs> is this global lifestyle about, um, could you first tell us more about how you got to create Global Living magazine and what what is it about? Yeah, of course. Um, um, so my undergrad is in psychology, but then I transitioned my master's is in journalism Um, and that's because I, I did an internship with a magazine in Geneva while I was living there, uh, an English language magazine. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with the magazine world, <laughs> um, which is ironic because, um, you know, a lot of people think it's fading a little bit, but it, it's not. <laughs> We're still around. And so I really fell in love with just, you know, not only just writing for magazines, but the whole process of putting magazines together and the layout and the production and everything. Um, so after that internship, I moved, we moved back to Miami and, um, I started my graduate studies in print journalism. I, for my thesis project, I created sort of a sample magazine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I call I think I called it the expatriate or something. And so I had already started to contemplate I want to have a. Ma I want to have my own magazine because I want to be in charge. You know, not in charge, but I want to be involved in all aspects of it: the editorial, the production, the distribution, everything. Um, but I also wanted it to be about something that I really cared about, and that was a big part of my life. And I think once I got through grad school, I started to really feel more like an expat is such a huge portion of my life that I hadn't really thought about much before. It just was who I was and I didn't really think about it. But then I started to think, what do I want to be doing every day? What do I want to be talking about every day? What do I want to be connecting with? Um, and a lot of it came back to, you know, the expat community, my old friends that live abroad and the amazing things that they're doing now with their experiences. Um, so I graduated in August. I started the company like a week later. I think I created the LLC mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, the first issue came out in May. So from August to May, I built everything up, the website. First issue came out in May, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically, I've, I started it off as a sort of 50-50 travel expat publication because um, I knew that I had worked in a couple of travel publications during grad school, just, you know, internshipping or uh, freelance writing. And I, you know, obviously thought that was also very interesting. Um, and also the expat world is very travel centric. It's, <laughs> we travel a lot, we explore new places. Um, so I combined the two to begin with. And then maybe about five issues in, four issues in, I sort of dropped the travel focus a little bit and really just blew it into a full-blown expat global uh, magazine. Mm -hmm. So every article in there has something to do with living abroad or um, that whole lifestyle, the, you know, whether you're moving back, <laughs> mm. repatriation, or uh, you're dreaming of moving abroad or planning of moving abroad, uh, raising kids abroad. Every article has something to do with the expat life and global living. And it's really, it's, it's not even been 
a question of like, oh, how do you, you know, how do you avoid repeating topics? Well, because oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, you, you, I put out an issue every two months. Um, I'm about to publish the 23rd issue. And yes, we've, you know, we've repeated topics, but from different writers and they're completely different articles. So for instance, a topic like repatriation, you could have one person write it and then, you know, three, four issues later, you have another person write about the same topic and it's totally different experience, totally different perspective, um, fresh advice. Um, and it's really, I, I think when you read the articles, you don't think, Hey, didn't I read, you know, didn't I read something on that before? It's because it's a topic in expat life that's going to come up many times, mm-hmm. um, over the course of time. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is so interesting because this is exactly the same question I had when I started Tandem Nomads and I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, am I going to run out of topics? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and have you? No. Right? Oh God. It's, it's, there's so much to talk about and so many different perspectives. And this is what's fascinating about this lifestyle. We also can bring very different perspectives and very yes. different, uh, and, and we still, Enjoy the different facets. And I think this is what makes us have this um, common ground is that we do accept that things are not black and white and we can have different facets. And and I think we can also change our minds. Yes. We're, <laughs> I, I would say the expat community is quite open-minded yeah, <laughs> yeah. and tolerant of other people's ideas. And I yeah. think... Um, you know, you, whether if we lived in five of the same places, but you've had one different culture than me, whatever you've learned from that one different culture can be so powerful in teaching me something that I didn't learn from the other five cultures that we shared. So I think there's just such a wide variety of experience and learning that you can get from, um, from other expats that your podcast and my magazine, it just we may never run out of content. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll call each other if you do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We'll write an article about running out of content. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I want to bring up something very that I think is special to your magazine, um, is that there are a lot of magazines for expatriates, but most of the time they're local to the country. You know, they bring you like a lot of advice and and insights about the country where you're expatriating. And Global Living Magazine must be one of the few ones who actually considers the expatriation lifestyle as a whole, no matter where you are. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That was really a big part of when I dropped the travel side and I really just went full um, expat. So you've been writing a lot about this topic. What would be, according to you, the the common things between people who live globally? Um, Like I said, we're definitely, I mean, this is obviously a generalization. There are exceptions to these, but uh, we're generally an open-minded group of people. I mean, if you've ever been to an expat conference anywhere, it is just it, like you, we were mentioning in the beginning um, when I spoke to you that it feels like you're talking to an old friend, even if you haven't met them before. Mm-hmm. There's ju- you just you're a very deep connectedness between people um, without even knowing them, and then that I think builds bonds really quickly. And I think that probably is based on the fact that when you move abroad, you do have to put yourself out there and build bonds quickly because you want to have friends and you want to have, um, you know, connections to the community. So you do open up quickly. Um, I think we're also a very adaptable group. Um, some things are harder than others to adjust to, um, you know, depending on background and, um, and where you're moving and language barriers and things like that. But I think overall we do adapt well into new environments. Um, 
we definitely, based on my writers that uh, have shared their stories, uh, we definitely have storytelling abilities. <laughs> we we love to share our stories, but we also love to hear other people's stories. And I think that's really a really nice quality that expats have because it's it's so important to speak, but it's also important to listen. And I think that's important when you're changing cultures and communities, but also just connecting with the person standing in front of you. So I think that's definitely something um, a quality that we all have in common. Um, we're definitely a curious group. I find, um, a lot of expat stories or moving abroad stories are like, you know, I'm, I was kind of bored of the nine to five routine and I just, I wanted to see what it's like to go live in a mountain in Switzerland or (laughs) things like that. Um, I, and most of the time, most of the stories I've seen, they've really embraced it. And, the curiosity has turned into something amazing and life-changing. So I think if, if you can overcome the first little hump of fear, um, fear of change and, um, things like that, I think it's definitely rewarding. It's a definitely a rewarding experience and it makes you a little stronger for the next time you move. Every time you do it, you get, you learn a little something. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that we can talk about a lifestyle of being expat? I think when you're abroad, yeah, it it can be, it it can be if you, um, you know, put yourself in those situations, you go to expat events or you attend, uh, an international school or you, you, I think if you make it a part of your lifestyle, like we were talking about, whether you associate with expats or you associate with locals, Mm -hmm. I think that might be the difference, um, in calling it a lifestyle. I think also because like I mentioned, it also becomes, somewhat addicting and you want to keep moving, I think that over time becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, now I would say my husband and I definitely, our lifestyle is geared towards expatriate living. We're constantly thinking, where are we going to move? Where should, you know, where should we raise kids? Where should we, you know, we don't really have a 10 year, we're going to live here for this, you know, for this amount of time and we're going to settle here and that's it. We, you know, the lifestyle has become a lifestyle transition. Yeah. And this is a very, very important point. I love this sentence you said, the lifestyle is transition. And I think this is the one thing that makes maybe expats different than people who do not live uh, globally um, is this visibility on the future and how comfortable we are with not having it. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think there are moments when you're like, well, we have to figure out where we're moving. You know, we, we can't just not have a place to move to. But I definitely, most of the expats that I speak to, it's always like, well, we'll be here for about two years and then who knows, (laughs) we'll go somewhere else. And they're always looking forward and they're always, you know, embracing their past, but, but always looking for something new to explore. And I think it, it is something that is ingrained in us, this like thriving for transition. It's really, um, something we crave at some point. Once I think, you know, once we've done it a few times or if we had a really great experience or, um, maybe even if not, maybe, you know, some people don't have great experiences moving abroad, but they want to try it again. I think that's great. And I think that's something we should encourage. Definitely. I'm going to ask you maybe a shocking question. Do you think expats are escaping something? Oh, um, (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe expats who move abroad by choice as opposed to for work, um, they might be escaping mundane life, (laughs) nine to five, you know, boring 
if they've lived in the same place for a long time, been around the same people for a long time, maybe they're escaping something like that. Maybe they want to escape something in their past. Uh, that's possible. <laughs> um, hi, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're a journalist, you have your own magazine and one of the, I think the traits of doing this job might be to foresee some trends of what's happening in our world in this community. Is there any trends you could like talk about or something that you see that is evolving in the lifestyle of expatriation? Yeah. I mean, um, I would, def I would say, you know, over the past few years and I think moving forward, we're going to see less of the, you know, From my experience, I, I call myself the business brat expat because we moved abroad for business, not military. So there's going to be probably less and less of that um, as corporations get a little bit tighter on their budgets. There's going to be less businesses that are moving families abroad and giving them the expat packages that we had, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I think that probably would shrink the expat community, a, you know, quite a bit <laughs> mm. um, if you look at it, you know, 10, 15 years ago versus five years from now. Um, just knowing how many, um, kids in my high school, even in Paris were there because of their dad or mom's work. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with that change, people who still want to move abroad, they're going to become more, um, independent in terms of their work. There's been a lot of people who have written for me, um, and shared their stories in global living about how they just said, you know what, I don't have a corporate job that's going to take me abroad, but I want to sell everything I own and go write about my adventures living in Thailand or <laughs> living somewhere else. I think with the internet and the, um, just the way you can connect with the world now, just through your laptop, I think it's going to be more it's going to be more likely and more possible for people to just do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can go abroad, you can teach English, you can, you can make money off your blogs now. So there are ways for people to do it on their own. And I think maybe it won't be such an influx as the business side of, um, expats, but I think that'll definitely pick up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise I, I hope people continue to, to keep moving abroad and, And even if they move back home to stay connected to the community, I think that's also quite a big trend um, that I found through the magazine, that even if people do move back, whether the, the business side of the move is done or they just decided to move back to continue their career or whatever, um, they do like to still stay connected. And I think that's something I didn't realize you know, in, when I was an expat growing up or even in college, I didn't realize that you could still stay connected to this community. Um, I think through my magazine, I've noticed that there's a trend moving towards that, that once you move back, you're still an expat. Once you're an expat, you're always an expat. <laughs> yeah. um, and you don't have to shy away from it. So I think that's really great. Well, that was really good points that you brought up. And actually, this is one of the topics I've been talking. One of my first blog posts is that companies who, you know, have limited expat packages, etc. And I said, you know, we have to be careful because if we want to have, we want to keep traveling, first of all, they will uh, relocate less and less families with kids that cost a lot of money mm -hmm. and um, and focus more on, sing on single 
individuals to to send abroad but yeah. also start looking for other there's a very interesting report that was uh, written by PwC about the future of uh you know mobility in the world global mobility and apparently companies will use more and more virtual teams and things like that to cut the costs of relocation we have to you know to find a balance between our needs and what the companies can bring to us or be creative by finding our own ways to go abroad and live this life which is right. not that easy actually honestly yeah and don't be afraid also to ask for certain things i know a lot of people have this perception that companies are cutting back and it it is definitely true but you should never go into a contract of moving abroad without being totally comfortable with it because that could really make or break it. And the, the company wants you to do a good job while you're abroad. So, um, you know, you got to make sure that you're comfortable with the situation moving abroad. So don't go if you don't or don't agree to it if you don't think that um, it's the right situation for you. But know that there can be some flexibility in some circumstances, some circumstances, maybe not, but, mm. you know, never be afraid to ask. Um, Because you never know. It's very, very good advice. Thank you for saying that, Alison. I think it's yeah. very important to ask the questions and prepare, you know. Know what we want and then prepare according to where we want to go and what we want out of this global lifestyle. Right. You know? Do your research. Yep. Yeah. Very important. Um, yeah. I guess your magazine might help for that. What can we find, actually, in Global Living magazine? Um, you can find all kinds of things. Um, we do sort of sections on expat entrepreneurs. So whether they moved abroad to start a company or moved home and started something that's connected to the expat community. Um, in our last issue, we talked to Allison Barnes, who now does expat consulting. Um, she's back in the States, but she, when I spoke to her, she said she still had plans to move abroad again, of course. <laughs> um, so we do expat entrepreneurs. We do... Uh, expat books. We feature a lot of expat books, uh, which there are tons and tons of them out there. So please do look through them because there are a lot of expat writers who are doing some really great work. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we do, uh, I mean, all kinds of things. In our new one, we have, um, in the one that's upcoming, we have an article about raising kids abroad. So we do focus a lot on third culture kids, um, how they adjust, how they change over time. Um, We had an article on third culture kids and technology, so how they're using technology to stay connected. Um, the, we have an upcoming article about friendships and how living abroad changes the dynamic of a friendship, mm -hmm. uh, which I think will be really interesting. And we also have an upcoming article. It's an interview with an expat athlete. So oh. what it's, what's, what's it like to move abroad as part of a sports team and you know that sort of life training abroad and... Um, a semi be you know being in the spotlight abroad as well. Very interesting. So, yeah. how can you read it? How does it work? Yeah, uh, the best place to start is globallivingmagazine.com. dot com. Um, but you can get print editions of each issue. Um, it's through a third party printer, so it's um, the link is all on the website. Uh, but you can order on on demand. So if you want one or two issues, you can order it. They'll print it after you order it, and they'll ship it worldwide. So you can definitely get your hands on a hard copy. Um, we've also introduced the Global Living app, so on any smartphone um, or tablet anywhere around the world, pretty much. Mm -hmm. You can go to your app store and search Global Living Magazine, and you can download the app. The app is for free to download, um, and once you're inside, everything inside is now free as well. So we've just changed that recently, 
all the issues, all the bonus content, everything in there is free. So you just have to download it. Once you download it, it'll say, um, you know, preparing for offline also. So you, once you've downloaded an issue, for example, the latest issue, if you want to read it on your flight home, um, you can read it because you don't need the Wi-Fi. You don't need uh, internet to read it once you've downloaded it for offline. So, um, it's really great. You can read it on the, on the app or in print. Um, and we do post a lot of the articles as well online. We sort of filter those through, um, in between each issue. So, if you didn't get your hands on a copy, you can always check out some of the online articles and also some of the articles that are from old issues. Very interesting. Great. So in order to, we should go to globallivingmagazine.com. Yep. Download the app. And if you're interested, we order a printed version. Yeah, absolutely. And we can read for free any article and wherever we are because we don't need to be connected. Right. Wow. So the app is free and then the print issues, there's a, there's a fee for the print issues and then shipping, but the app is completely free. And the app is also interactive, which is kind of fun. So if you're reading one, uh, a review of one of the expat books featured in the magazine, you can actually click the little shopping link and it'll take you straight to Amazon and you can order it straight from the app. So that's great for the readers and also great for the authors because they get um, you know instant access. People can shop their book. This was a really nice chat, Alison. I'm really happy that you came to discuss this topic with me. Uh, thank you for all your insights. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Nomad Nation, don't miss any of the great inspiration, tips, and insights that will prepare just for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. <laughs>